This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. All right, it's finally time. Yeah, time to get back to it once again with your boys, the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my good friend Chris Sinzak. Now, You've had over a week now of recovery time. How are you feeling today? I'm great. I'm happy to be back doing our show again. Yeah, me too. I'm really excited. And, you know, one thing that we did before the Rock and Pot Expo was took donations for the Rock and Pot Expo and we're giving up spots on the show. Mm-hmm. And today we've got a special guest and we're coming back at you with one of our very favorite themes, and that is the Radio Sucks Radio Show. And, you know, speaking of getting back to business and taking care of business, we're going to get some of that out of the way right now before we get into this week's episode. So let's get right to it. Talking about iTunes reviews. We got one right here. Five stars. Comes to us from the good old USA. It's entitled Rockin' Like It Should Be. Goes a little something like this. Chris and Aaron put all their passion into this podcast. There has never been a better one in my opinion. Wow. And I've listened to many before stumbling upon this one. These guys totally speak my language. I'm happy and jealous of them because I wish I could be talking with them and joining in on the conversation. I just want to jump through my speaker, crack one open with them, and talk about good rock and music. Listen to this podcast, but be forewarned, it's addicting. That's awesome. Five stars. Comes to us from Joey Espo in New Haven, Connecticut. Wow, that's Very a great cool. review. That is a great review. That's a perfect one right there. Somebody reading that's going to go, man, i got to check this out. Be forewarned, it's addicting. Yeah. All right, we got another one. This comes to us from Podchaser. That's right, you guys check out Podchaser. It's a great website. It's got all kinds of information about all different kinds of podcasts on there. Highly recommended. This one's five stars, and it goes a little something like this. I came across the Decibel Geek podcast several years ago while I was battling cancer. 
I was stuck in the hospital during chemo treatments for hours, and listening to Chris and Aaron talk about my favorite subject was a piece of normality they brought me with every episode. The first thing I noticed is these guys love metal. They truly have a passion for the genre of music and its shows. Surviving cancer has taught me one major important thing in my life. Time is valuable. I never waste a moment of it. I'm happy to give some of that precious time listening to Chris and Aaron. Keep kicking ass and bringing the metal. That comes to us from our good friend Pat Catalano. Man. Man. It what can it doesn't get yeah. any better than that, does it? No, that's as good as it gets. And I know. mean, to think when we started this, we kind of started it for ourselves, you yeah. know, to have fun and try something new, and look at all the lives we've affected by doing this show, especially in a way like that where we really truly are helping people, you know, get through life. Life's not easy, yeah. but man, talk about battling cancer and us helping you get through it. Pat, man, we love you for this review, and you know we don't take it lightly at all. It means no. a, it means the world to us. Yeah, I've talked to Pat several times on and off over the years. Yeah, he's and, a good dude. And when he was going through the treatments, I remember him messaging me this stuff like this, and I was like, if we if we helped in any small way while you beat the hell out of cancer, then I'm happy we were part of it. So right, yeah, that you know that definitely eclipses any kind of love you can get for that's right. Show. Cancer's tough. But he can't beat metal. So we're addicting and we cure cancer. Wow. What more do you need? See? <laughs> Decibel Geek Podcast. Saving rock and roll, saving lives. Right. I love it. All right. So let's uh, introduce our awesome guest this week. We ain't got Geeks of the Week? Oh, yeah. We do have Geeks of the Week. Don't You're going to skip it, huh? Oh, You're going to be taking people's oh, advice? Wait a minute. I don't. You don't have Geeks of the I Week? <laughs> Geeks of the Week are all the awesome people that shared and retweeted last week's episode. We don't have your names this week. I'm hitting myself in the head right now. We love you guys, and we thank you for it. You know, that's okay, because some people don't like hearing Geeks of the Week. So this week, we'll, <laughs> we'll skip it, and we'll get right to it. This week, very special guest. we got our good friend D-Hud back on with us. That's right, David Hudson from Digital Killed the Radio Star. And he's joining us today for you know it. Radio sucks. What volume? 34. Holy moly. What's up, D-Hud? Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, man. How are you doing? I am great. Uh, just got off for work from a 10-hour shift, have football on, and talking to my buddies on Decibel Geek. Don't tell me the score because I'm, I'm Yeah, we're going to go watch it after this. <laughs> First game of football back tonight in America. Yeah. I know. All is right with the world. Awesome. Well, it was good to see you a couple of weeks ago here in Nashville at the Rock and Pod Expo, and yeah. uh, you guys had a had a good turnout. You guys you loaded up on a ton of interviews, so uh, yeah, the, the, it was a good weekend for you guys, right? Man, it was so much fun. I got in on Thursday, and of course, you know, we saw you at um, scoreboard Thursday mm-hmm. night, and uh, Courtney and uh, Craig Gass uh, sat down with us for a couple hours, and then uh, Friday. Me and the guys from Potter Than Hell, we went vinyl shopping all day and uh, met up with Stephen Michael for barbecue. And then, of course, uh, went and saw the uh, the mighty Tora Tora uh, oh. Friday night. And uh, I left when they got through playing because I, there's no way I, I didn't want to feel bad Saturday. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you know, once you turn 40, man, <clears throat> you got to get in bed earlier. The the next mornings are pretty rough. But oh, yeah. just uh, before we get started, you guys, I mean, that thing was awesome. Um, and it, it's really fun. And it, the great thing about it is I think all of us that go are establishing friendships beyond just being podcasters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that to me is, you know, really speaks a lot. And, uh, and Chris, I, several of the people that we had that were guests, uh, off mic, 
uh, commented on how well they thought it was oh, and uh, cool. how much they really enjoyed uh, being around you guys. So uh, big, uh, big round of applause to you guys. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It, uh, yeah, I'm just happy it all came off the way it did, and uh, we're excited to do it again next year. And it's it's got to make you feel good to know, like even the rock stars are like, man. This is awesome. Means a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it, it, this year. I mean, last year met my expectations. This year totally exceeded them. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it, it the the building was that we had it in was was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, the proximity to all the hotels was was great. Like just like it was last year, but the building I thought was a lot more um, inviting yeah. for uh, the podcast and the layout and uh, uh, just. I mean, I just thought it was great. I'm I'm looking forward to next year. I know it's going to be bigger and better. Oh yeah, we're definitely aiming for bigger next year. Well, I mean, the word of mouth is I'm sure is going to get out from some of the people that were there. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, so that that can't hurt things at all. Not at all. Yeah, I think right. we we got a good thing rolling here. At the Rock and Pot Expo, I sat down with Luke Carl for a minute, yeah. and we were having a beer, and we were just shooting the breeze about all kinds of different things. And uh, somebody comes up to him, as you know, radio DJs know, and, and Luke Carl knows just about better than anybody. And this person said, "Oh, Luke Carl, man, you're awesome. You know, love your show. But you know, even even satellite radio, man, you guys are playing better songs, but you're still playing the same songs over and over and <laughs> they over again. Out on it. Oh, they totally <laughs> called him out on it. I looked at Luke and I laughed and I said, that ain't the first time you ever." heard that is it he's like oh god no you know (laughs) here's it all the time you know but the days of the dj getting to put their own personality into their shows all the way up to the greatest like luke carl all the way down to a guy just first starting in radio this weekend doing his first shift Mm -hmm. you know the the power of the personality of the dj is gone and it's dead you know when you're listening to radio you're hearing pre-programmed pre-packaged songs that they think you want to hear who are they we don't know (laughs) we know they suck and they don't know nothing about rock music and that's why we do the radio sucks radio show and and D-Hud, you know what it's all about. So today, you're the DJ. You're the man picking the songs. All right, guys. Y'all ready? Yeah, yeah. let's go. All right. So uh, <clears throat> I don't really have a theme uh, per se. So the first song I'm going to go with is Somebody Knocking, which is the first song off the debut and only album from Izzy Stradlin and the Juju Hounds. I love that um, album. I loved that album when it came out and uh, Izzy Stradlin to me is just, I think it's, he's just so cool. And a lot of it I think is myth because you never see him. So, you know, his, the, the coolness factor of him just grows, you know, year after year. And this album to me was everything that Izzy Stradlin is. It was part New York dolls. It was part punk. It was part Aerosmith. Um, even had uh, they covered a reggae song yeah. and uh, turned it into a punk song, and at the end, you know, had like a reggae coda to it. But uh, the first song, "Somebody Knocking," I think is uh, the best song that he's uh, ever done. And that album, uh, it never gets old to me. Uh, a lot of times, uh, I'll go through my CD collection, I'll see it and put it in, and just uh, man, what a talent he was.
that's definitely something you're not going to turn on the radio and hear. And that is a really, really great album. I got that when it first came out. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of Guns N' Roses. I'm a big, big fan of Izzy Stradlin. And it was different for sure. But like you said, it's got all these different elements of different things. I remember one time being in a store in the mall and hearing the actual version of Pressure Drop. And I had no idea it was a cover of a reggae tune. I didn't even know it was a cover. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, yeah, I know this song, Izzy Stradlin, right? What is this? This is weird. You know, so I knew the Izzy Stradlin version first. But, you know, this album... Even a lot of the st- solo stuff, you know, people don't know that Izzy Stradlin's put out a lot of albums over the a years, lot. but yeah. his solo stuff is really, really good. It you just know? flies and, so under the radar. And yeah. I think people owe it to themselves, especially if you're a fan of, like you said, New York Dolls, punk rock, Guns N' Roses, stuff like that. If you're a fan of this stuff, you owe it to yourself to check out the Izzy Stradlin solo stuff because it's all really, really good. Yeah. When it sounded, this particular song sounded like it was. 1972 era Rolling Stones to me. Yeah, just yeah. has that Stone 70 swagger to it. And uh, I've become Facebook friends with uh, Jimmy Ashurst. I don't know if y'all are familiar with him. Uh, he was in the Juju Hounds and then was in Buck Cherry for about probably about ten years. Yeah, and uh, we're actually fingers crossed going to have him on our podcast here soon. Oh, but cool. uh, to talk about that album, but uh, he helped write the music on it, and Izzy wrote a lot of the lyrics. And I asked him. Um, Said, uh, you know, I've always heard there's that line in the in the song where Izzy says, "If you see my old friends out there, tell them that I send my love." I've always heard that was kind of a wink and a nod, you know, obviously to the Guns N' Roses guys, and asked him about it, and he just said, "You'll have to ask Izzy. He wrote the lyrics." So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I thought that was a cool line, but you know, "Shuffle It All" was the the single that came out. "Shuffle It All" is a great song. Yep. Got a very memorable, you know, bass line to it, and the the organ, and just it's a great song, but. Somebody knocking, I think, is just as good and just a tad bit better than uh, Shuffle at all. But you're right. So Izzy puts out these albums. He doesn't tour. He doesn't um, do any interviews, and they just come out a lot. Some of them um, are good. Some of them, to me, are just uh, sound like a lot of filler. But uh, man, he's talented, and I would kill for them to do a true GNR reunion well yeah i was just thinking that because there's you know slash has mentioned in interviews that there is material written for another album just depends on what axel wants to do with it but if they do another album i know izzy probably will never tour with them again because they can't meet his number or whatever they at least need to write with the guy yeah for sure for it to be authentic guns and roses songs yeah for sure i would think so well he helped write a lot of those velvet revolver songs in the beginning as well i didn't know that yeah, they he uh, he helped with them, and I don't know if they officially credited him mm-hmm. with it, but uh, you know he went out there and was gonna be in the band for a while, from what I understand, and uh, you know just got nervous. I, I I think I've heard him say he just doesn't like being around lead singers. And so, uh, <laughs> when you consider those two, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I can definitely uh, can definitely understand how why he feels that way. <laughs> He's just not with the right one yet, right? Oh, man. Is it too early to request Izzy Stradlin for Rockin' Pod 3? Well, I could request him all I want, but yeah, good luck getting him. That'd be awesome. Be like, hey man, you know, you do all your interviews for the whole year in one day. Right. And just be done with it and be satisfied. Here's what you could do. You could have a bidding war. To, he gets the only, say he's only going to do one interview and just have a bidding war. <laughs> yeah, with those giant podcaster budgets. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right, so that's a good start. What do you got after this Love one? Love it. All right, so my second song is going to be from the second Jerry Cantrell album, Degradation Trip. It's called Locked On. 
the second album that he solo album he did degradation trip was released i believe a couple of months before lane staley died Mm -hmm. the album primarily deals with the breakup of allison chains and his i guess being come disillusioned being a rock star and obviously a lot of it has to do with you know the deteriorating health of uh lane staley at the time and Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest, Ray Charles could have seen how that was going to end, unfortunately. And this is a song called Locked On. To me, it has everything that makes Jerry Cantrell great. A great riff, beautiful melody with his vocals, and uh, it's just a great song. It has to do with uh, being a rock star and the excess that comes with it.
if people aren't familiar with that album, I would highly recommend it. It actually was released as a double album later, volumes one and two. Uh It is a dark, dark album. And Cantrell has said when he got through writing the album, he legitimately worried that he was going mentally, that he was mentally ill. Uh, It's very dark. Um, I used to listen to it a lot, just like Alice in Chains' Dirt is probably my second favorite album of all time. But I I hardly ever listen to either one of those anymore because they're so dark. And when you think about the subject matter on Dirt, it played out in real life. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of depressing. But I really like Kentrell's solo stuff. And I I meant to look this up, but I'm pretty sure that William Duvall, who sings with Alice in Chains now, was on this album as a a guitar player and doing some uh, back backing vocals. I'm 99% sure on that. Yeah, I know, and Robert Trujillo was on this, mm-hmm. and I forget who else. I mean, but it, he had a super group going on with that, and man, I love the Degradation Trip CD. I got the original version that came out, and I got the double album version. It's really, I mean, there's some amazing, amazing stuff on there. But like D Hud says, it's it's so dark, yeah. you know. It's really it'll it'll put you in a mood, yeah. you know, when you listen to it. And if you're in a bad mood, it's not going to help you feel better. Yeah, I, well, and you mentioned Dirt because I remember when when I was in high school and Dirt came out. I love the album, but like you said, you you get depressed listening to it, especially right. if you go from front to back of it. You're, by the end of the album, you just you feel like shit. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's like the total opposite of listening to a Poison album. You Pretty know, you, much, you don't get the same feelings by listening yeah. to those two yeah. different bands. Yeah. There's no uh, there's no groupies and silly string at the end of Alice in Chains. No, <laughs> no, there's not. Have, have either of you guys listened to the new Alice in Chains album that, that just came? I out? have. I have listened through it three times so far. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> here's my complaint with it. It's all starting kind of to sound the same. It is. Um, kind of mid-tempo. Yep. Uh, now, song number nine, I think it's called Never Fade. Mm-hmm. I really like uh, a lot. That's my favorite song on the album. But, you know, the where the where what was the last one? Uh, the Devil Put Dinosaurs Here. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. There were some very cool vocal arrangements on songs like Voices and Scaffold and things like that. But the first album to me they did with Duvall – uh, Black, uh, Black Gives Way to Blue. Man, I thought it was great. That's yeah. a great album. Yeah. Check my brain. I mean, that's, that's just a great song. But yeah. yeah, I mean, but you know, I don't know if y'all know this because uh, I thought this was interesting. We interviewed Toby Wright at the expo. We haven't posted it yet, but uh, Chris and I, my co-host, basically said we're just going to ask him about a couple albums. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to know all about the Alice in Chains stuff because the song that got me to love Alice in Chains was what the hell have I mm. off the last action hero soundtrack. Right. And he mixed it. Yep. And it's, I mean, that is a unique song, especially for the time it had a sitar in it and just has a really cool groove to it. And I told him we not, after that I went back and just really got into dirt. And of course he did the tripod album and he uh, mixed jar of flies. flies yep. So when we got done talking to him, we asked him, what is your greatest achievement? What's the thing that you've done? You're the most proud of. Mm-hmm. He said, mixing the Alice in Chains unplugged album. Yeah. I think he told us that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that his, well, I think Alice in Chains is probably his favorite band that he ever worked with. I thought for sure he was going to say carnival of souls. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he did us a favor by talking for uh-huh, two hours about yeah. that one. I mean, he, I think he enjoyed it, but it's, yeah, he's a, after that one though, he was like, I'll talk to you guys again, but no more kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's a super nice guy too. Yeah, we love I'd like. Him. I would like to see Jerry Cantrell do more solo albums. Like you say, with the Alice in Chains thing, 
I mean, just to me, always it seemed like without Lane Staley, it's just not Alice in Chains. And, and William Duvall is a great singer, and they're mm-hmm. writing some really good stuff, but it's just not the same, you know? And I actually prefer the Jerry Cantrell solo stuff. That Boggy Depot album's really Yeah, good. Boggy Depot's really good. I like mm-hmm. that, too. But, uh, man, if, man, as far as his solo stuff, you just can't top Degradation well, Trip, though. The, th- the thing, I think, whenever I listen to a lot of... Uh, Alice in Chains now is it's like <clears throat> so many of their songs you had Cantrell in the right speaker and Staley in the left speaker yep. and I and I feel like it's you know you're at work and you can't put both earbuds in so you got to put one earbud in and you can only <laughs> you know you can only hear the right channel um, because he's a one earbud man. They're two of the they're two of the greatest. Uh, that's one of the greatest vocal duos of all time, in my oh, opinion. Totally, and yeah, no doubt. Just haunting melodies and and his mm-hmm. back. Kentrell's backing vocals are just, man. They're, in my opinion, I, they're up there with Michael Anthony. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as adding adding layers to to songs. But yeah, right. I, locked on. I, I love that song off the of Degradation Trip. Great pick. I'd like to see Jerry and Toby get back together and do something. Oh, me too. That'd be amazing. I think that would be awesome. So, all right. So good. Good one-two punch out yeah, of the gate. So far, so good. Where are we going next? All right, number three, a song that I love off Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1, Dead Horse. Uh, yes. It's toward the, toward the end of that album. One of the more, uh, I guess I said, I guess you would say straight-ahead rockers that's yeah. not blown up and, uh, and fat mm-hmm. uh, off those two albums. Uh, I could do, sometimes I could do without the little acoustic intro, but man, once it kicks in, it's just straight-ahead rock and roll and kind of wish they'd have had a little bit more of that on those albums but uh that's one uh if i'm driving man the the speed goes up when uh when dead horse is on sick of this life not that you care i'm not the only one with whom these feelings i share nobody understands Why, why we're here Searching for answers That never appear Maybe if I looked real hard I'd, I'd see you trying to To understand this life That we're all going through
Yeah, that's probably my favorite song on on both of those albums. Yeah, it's right up there for sure. Yeah, yeah uh, it's nice to talk to kindred spirits um, because I I tell that to a lot of people and they just look at me like I got three heads. Yeah, like, really, that, dead horse. And I'm like, it's a great song. It is a great song. It's kind of like a hidden gem. It doesn't get brought up very much in conversation when people talk about the Use Your Illusion albums. But yeah. it's like you said, it's it's a little well, bit more of a of an old school Guns and Roses. And everybody tune. talks about November Rain, you know, <sighs> and and estranged in the. And the big hit songs oh. off of that, but there were so many good under tracks, you know, and that's that's one of them for sure. Always did you guys did you guys catch too. them on the reunion tour? No, I haven't won the Powerball yet, so I can't. <laughs> really see that and I, I don't like to stay up till three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I saw them uh, in New Orleans, and they actually went on stage two minutes early. I've heard they were really punctual on this last tour. And, you know, they were, I mean, they played like over three hours and they played some deep cuts and I just had my fingers crossed. It's like, tonight's going to be the night they're going to break out Dead Horse, but uh, no luck, huh? didn't didn't happen. But Damn. what are you got? What are y'all's thoughts on Usually Usual 1 and 2? I like them both, but mm. um, there's some filler on there. There's a lot of For filler. sure. I think I could make one excellent album yeah. out of it, you know, but then my excellent album, like if, if we, if the three of us all sat down and said, okay, Combine Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 into one album, mm-hmm. I think all three of us would probably end up with different track lists. Sure. But, yeah. I mean, there's definitely some songs on there I think that would be excluded from almost everybody's. But I'd have songs like Double Talk and Jive, Dead be- Horse, yep. you know, uh, Pretty Tied Up, mm-hmm. stuff like that to me. The hard rock and straight ahead, the stuff that was more like Appetite yeah. spoke more to me. And like the estranged and the I gun- like estranged. And, I mean, it, it, it yeah. it's it's okay, but like you know, I think D Hud described it perfectly. It's it's kind of fat and bloated. Oh, it's very and, overblown. And way overblown. Way overproduced. You I know, think, give um, me the straight ahead rockers every day. Somebody I, I don't remember who it was that told me they said it was it was Axl Rose attempting to do an Elton John album on some yeah, of their songs or a Bohemian Rhapsody yeah, or something to, like that. I do a big grand epic yeah. album, and it succeeded. I mean, you know, you can't argue the the success of the albums but i don't know i just it was one of those too much too soon things right well then that makes you kind of glad it was a double album because then at least you still got the songs like dead horse you know mixed in there well it's kind of if i have to bring it back to kiss garden there's people that are like oh hot in the shade didn't need 15 songs but at the same time in hindsight though if they had cut it down to 10 we'd all be dying to hear those other five songs right so right. you know, you, you can never have too much of one of your favorite band's songs. You can always make a playlist. We all do. Sure, because everybody's going to say, "Okay, if I was going to erase five songs off of here, it'd be these five, But everybody's five songs are going to be different. Right. So you might as well include them Just all. Have and them. Give a little something for everybody. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Shit, yeah, I love it. Well, I like I like all your picks so far. What do you got going next? All right, next we're going to go with "Undertow" by Warrant. Off yeah. The the first song off the Ultraphobic album. Uh, I will have to admit, I dropped off the Warrant um, bandwagon after uh, Dog Eat Dog, and it mm-hmm. wasn't because I didn't like Dog Eat Dog. That's my favorite Warrant album, and I think one of the best albums of that whole genre. But um, at that point, uh, I was in college and was getting more into bands like Bomber Brothers and Widespread Panic and a lot of jam band stuff. This was something that came on my radar later, and this album is great, and it just shows how great of a songwriter Janie Lane was. And this song has a killer riff and groove, and it, man, it just it it gets the adrenaline going.
and you know I, I know a lot of people say it was kind of their attempt to sound more like grunge but you can't fault people i mean when they go from making millions of dollars and then all of a sudden you know there's a famous story where they walk in the record company and their pictures down and alice and chains is up so mm-hmm. I, I don't fault those bands trying to do that but for me this everything worked on this album and the closer stronger now oh, i think yeah. it's probably the best ballad he's ever written and yeah. i don't understand why country music somebody in country music oh, no. has not heard of that song and said we can make a hit out of this yeah, it totally would be a hit yeah it's one of the that's it's an incredibly well written ballad and I even i know aaron you're not a ballad guy but no but you, you can't can appreciate you can't deny that, that song it's i mean it's so, so well strong and powerful and beautiful at the same time and still manages to kick ass you know yeah. even though it's a, it's a sweet love ballad but i mean yeah when you talk about Janie lane and his songwriting abilities and it's you know how overlooked he is very. by the i guess the main media or mm-hmm. you know just casual fans would think oh cherry pie guy yeah you know but man listen to that song stronger now or even undertow undertow is such a hard rock and kick-ass song i don't hear no grunge in that mm-hmm. i hear like bonfire and you know songs like that where warrant would just come forward and just kick you in the face you right. know and show that you know we're so much more than just the poppy stuff you like because right. that was the thing about warrant Again, you know, they're they're in this genre, but they're doing all kinds of different things. Like, all the songs on the album are a little bit different from right. each other. Enough to where they say, okay, well, we're just going to lump you in by what you look like, mm-hmm. you know? And so we're going to say these long-haired, pretty boys, you know? But if you listen to the music, you really couldn't pin Warrant down. Because look at the difference between a song like Undertow or Cherry Pie or Uncle Tom's Cabin or Stronger Now, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're all totally unique songs. And that's, I think, the strength of Janie Lane's songwriting ability was he could do it all. Yeah. He could really do it all. Was the, was Ultraphobic, was this one that was released on CMC? Uh, yeah, I think you're thinking of Belly to Belly. Okay, that was that after was, this one. Yeah, right? that was the really okay. weird one. But was this yeah. one, this was, was this still a major label release? No. Uh-uh. It was on like a one of those smaller yeah, labels, right? Yeah, because Dog Eat Dog was it for them. Yeah, that was their last one. Yeah. Okay, but I, I remember when it came out and... So saying, you know, it'd be easy not for it to be on your radar because you'd have to really seek yeah. it out back then, which right. I was still into Warrant, so I right. sought it out. I mean, I was even excited in 94 when Belly to Belly came out. But when this came out, um, I remember I didn't buy it. A friend of mine did, though, and I remember I was excited for it because Metal Edge was still doing a lot of coverage on them at the time. Yeah. And it came out, and then it was me and my friend who bought it, and we were like the only two... F- people that still dug warrant and were at least able to admit it yeah and we were sitting at a party with like 10 other people and he started playing this album and like there's people grooving a lot like what is this and the minute the name warrant came out all this shit got flung yeah. everybody oh the fucking cherry pie turn that shit off you know but a second ago when you didn't yeah, know they were it digging was, it before they were jamming, yeah. it was it was really kind of pathetic yeah see who's the posers now yeah but it, yeah yeah they uh they it's funny how they just completely dropped off the radar, even though their music to me got better as they went along yeah. up until up until this point. Yeah, mm, that's a good one. I love it. Anytime we play Warrant on this show, it's a good episode. All right. So what's the next pick? All right. So the next one uh, is a little bit uh, from a man, Aaron Camaro here. Oh, uh, I know he's a huge Enough's Enough fan. Um, I'll be honest with you, my knowledge of them doesn't extend very much past. Uh, uh, 
Fly High Michelle oh. and uh, New Thing. But you I got, stumbled, you got a lot I stumbled to learn. across their uh, covers album. I think it's called Covered in Gold. Yes. And I mean, I, I love it. It's got She Sells Sanctuary on it, Gene mm. Genie. They do. Um, you guys remember the, uh, what's the song? Um, oh, the Greatest American yeah, Superstar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite song on their album. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's got, that it's got cool. that. Um, They're covering anyway, Gene Genie's badass, too. Yeah. It is. It is. So I am not a Nirvana fan. Uh, I'm not scared to say that. I, I, I don't like them. I think they're overrated. Uh, people go, where well, they sold millions of albums. Well, to quote Noel Gallagher one time, he said, so did Phil Collins. So, <laughs> what's wrong with Phil Collins? I don't know. Noel Gallagher, Gallagher is probably one of my favorite but people But what's right with him? Hey. Yeah, Noel Gallagher is one of the – he's one of the best follows uh, you can <laughs> – interviews you can you can listen to. But So uh, with that said, uh, I like it when a band does a covers album and they – they make the song their own, but they don't completely break it down to, to something else. And Enough's Enough did that on this. It kicks in. If you have your speakers, if you have your volume turned up loud, the bass will just about blow your speakers out uh, at the beginning. And they play uh, All Apologies, which I think has a great groove to it. But and they just have bongos in the background instead of conventional drums. And when I heard that, I was like, this is really, really good. And so I have it incorporated into several playlists and, uh, I just absolutely love it. And like I said, um, not a big Nirvana fan. Uh, a lot of it, I, I admitted on one of our podcasts one time, was I just I hold it against them for for what happened to a lot of the bands that I grew up listening to. But as we said on one of our podcasts, grunge didn't kill glam. Mm. Glam killed glam. No, I, I hold it against Pretty Boy Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't tell my co-host Chris that he loves uh, he loves Pretty Boy Floyd, but oh, yeah. I'm very sorry so for yeah, him. enough's enough. All apologies. Uh, if you haven't l- heard that, go listen to it. Especially get the Covered in Gold album because it does not disappoint. Yeah. 
song's a trip, man. To hear Enough Snuff covering Nirvana. That's a weird one. That's like throwback to a little bit earlier in the show when we were talking about Alice in Chains, Check Your Brain. Have you ever heard L.A. Guns do a cover of that? Yes. It's freaking awesome. Oh, yeah, awesome. I think I have. I love it when these bands take a song that, you know, it was okay, you know. Like, see, not the biggest. I'm not the biggest Nirvana fan in the world either, but that song was all right. But to hear Enough Snuff do it <laughs> in such a unique way, mm-hmm. and I mean... Donnie V is, let's face it, a way better singer than Kurt Cobain could ever dream to be. And, you know, like you say, that powerful bass, it chips enough in there. And it's a, I don't know, man. It's far out for sure, but I like it too. I got to bring this up because you brought up the Greatest American Hero cover song. That's a great cover. And I love it too. It's like my favorite thing on the Covered in Gold album. But like um, I shared the, like around the time we interviewed Donnie, I was corresponding a lot with him on his, on Facebook. Yeah. And I took a copy, a link of that, and I, I think I put it on his page, and I was like, why doesn't this ever get played live? And he goes, because it sucks. And yeah. he, was like, he totally dogged it out. And I was like, oh, man, I think you do a great job on that song. Well, He's they, like, yeah, but we had no business doing that song. Right. But that's what he said <laughs> when we interviewed him, too, that time, where it's like, he hates doing cover songs. Yeah. You know, period. That's more doesn't Chip's like thing, it. I think. Yeah, he just wants to write his own stuff, and he doesn't like doing covers, even though he's freaking awesome at he it. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, speaking of covers, and I know y'all are big John Karabi fans like I am. Have y'all heard him do Maggie Mae? Oh, shit, oh yeah. yeah. I got that CD, the, the I forget what it's called, but it's a tribute to Rod Stewart. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of cool stuff on there. Yeah. Like, I didn't know I liked Rod Stewart until I heard metal bands and hard rock bands doing his songs. And I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I don't like Rod Stewart, but I can't deny some of these songs. Yeah. But yeah, that one especially. Good stuff so far. What do you got? All right, so my next song is She's Too Tough by Def Leppard. Now, this song was originally recorded for Adrenalize, but for whatever reason uh, did not make the cut. And it was released on their uh, B-side compilation. I think it's called Retroactive. Um, This is more of a straight-ahead rocker. Uh, The production on it is pretty slick, but I think if you toned the production down, it would have fit nicely on something like High and Dry. And it definitely should have beat out a few of the songs, that, in my opinion, that were on uh, Adrenalize. And, you know, Def Leppard, excuse me, for a long time, you could not stream really any of their music other than some, like, re-recorded versions. And I guess it was last year they were able to negotiate and got their entire catalog put on, um, like, Spotify and Apple. And so this song was available again because Retroactive was out of print. But uh, this is this is a fun song to listen to. Joe uh, Elliott's vocals are great on it, and uh, Phil Collin and uh, Vivian Campbell just do a great job playing guitar on it.
that was one too because I I hadn't heard this song before and so I had to look it up and I was listening to it it was on the YouTube and I thought it was an older song I really did I thought this was Steve Clark era like way back and then it was like Adrenalize 92 mm-hmm. really but it's got that that old school Def Leppard feel to it for sure well I got dropped from the album because you know you gotta have make love like a man on there <laughs> Oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm a, telling you what, I was so excited when Adrenalize came out because too. I was 11 when Hysteria came out, and uh, I get I guess it was like a year or so after it was out. I got a uh, uh, a friend of mine made me a copy of it on a cassette, but he didn't write down the song titles, and so for the longest time I had a hard time, you know, figuring out what the names of some of the songs were. But uh, I was so excited, you know, they were going to come out, and then you know. The Steve Clark died, and then you know it was yeah. just one thing after another, and uh, they were my first uh, hard rock concert that I ever went to. I saw them in the round in uh, in Memphis at the Pyramid, mm. and uh, I've always kind of had a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for Def Leppard. I know a lot of people like to give them a hard time, and some of it's deserved, and some of it's not. But um, that uh, that B sides album does have some um, have some good songs on it, and then man, this for sure could have beat out, like you said, "Make a Love Like a Man." <laughs> Uh, gosh. Well, let's get uh, rocked was a single, and I yeah. hate that song. That's man. That's a that's that song gets old quick. Oh, it's awful. Um, well, that's and they still they me. still play it. I saw them last summer with Poison, and, and they played it. And I was like, man, you could have played, uh, you know, High and Dry or you know anything off Pyromania. But um, mm. yeah, they, if, you, if you're not familiar with with that song, it's a it's a good one. It's a straight ahead rocker. Yeah, this song, when you picked it and I was looking at it and listening to it and stuff, it got me thinking about Adrenalize in 92, how huge that was. It was huge. In a time where a Def Leppard album probably shouldn't have been huge. You know, we just talked about Warrant, how they dropped off around 92. They survived it, though. But Def Leppard, I mean, that album, that was their last really, really big one. Yeah. But I think the video for uh, Let's Get Rocked, yeah, done by the same guy that did the uh, the Dire Straits, oh, yeah. Money, Money for, for Nothing. nothing. Yeah, I think that CGI. was a big deal because CGI was yeah. new and unique at the time. I think that definitely helped it. But in a time where other bands that were kind of you know in the same realm as Def Leppard are <coughs> dropping off left and right, Def Leppard's still selling a billion albums Yeah, in 92. Yeah, they... and Joe Joe Elliott's permed mullet was completely out of control. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, maybe that I mean, that's why they survived. Yeah. The hair was just too much to to deny. You can't deny it. But that album did have. I, I like I like the song White Lightning that was about um, yeah. Steve Clark and um, Heaven Is. I like that. Yeah, uh, that's okay. It wasn't in Tear It Down. Now, I like the version of Tear It Down Tear it that's on the Hysteria reissue that's right. uh, a little more raw than the one on um, Adrenalize. But uh, so yeah, you could have taken any number of songs down and put She's t- Too Tough on it. It would have been just fine. Any any song that wasn't a single on that album was yeah. pretty good. Right. Yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> that's yeah. Weird. They always seem to like cater their, their single choices to the female the ladies. audience. Yeah. Here's one for the ladies. Here's another one for the ladies. Well, this if you, one if you listen to interviews with them, I don't think they like being identified as a hard rock they band. They do not. No, but when you look at them in their early years, they were definitely a part of that new wave of British totally. heavy metal. You know, but yeah, to deny that, first that's the coolest thing, you know? Yeah. I, they, guess, yeah. I guess the guys wearing, de- you know, denim vests and stuff like that, but not to the ladies. Yeah. They want they want to be made love to. And that's why, like Phil, a man. That's why Phil Collin doesn't wear a shirt. 
<laughs> All right. So what do we got next? All right. So I feel like I'm six for six so far with you guys, but I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback on this one. Well, for me, uh, <laughs> Blind Faith by Poison off the Native Tongue album. I love it. Now, personally, Native Tongue is my second favorite Poison album behind uh, Flesh and Blood. But I think they really messed up by having Stand be the first single for I a couple of reasons. One, you're putting a ballad out as your first single. And two, uh, you know, it was uh, not, it, more acoustic than anything. This song to me, I think, would have been the perfect introduction to Richie Kotzen because it shows his musicianship. The lyrics a little more in line with, you know, a Poison album. And this is kind of, you know, an anthemic song that you could see, you know, lighting up an arena. They never played it live. I don't know why. Wow. But uh, this is my uh, probably my, my favorite song on that album, at least of the rockers mm-hmm. on it. And uh, just an album that, unfortunately, in my opinion, Chris, gets overlooked a lot. It just, it doesn't, this album just does not work for me. I See, I like it, but... Not in the same way that I like the stuff with C.C. DeVille. You know, C.C. DeVille's got his own flavor. And Richie Cotton, Cotson, by God, he's definitely got his own flavor. Just, and it just doesn't... He was too different for the band. Yeah. I mean, but Poison, I think, at the time, maybe we're trying to be a little bit bluesier, trying to oh, try sure. something a little bit different. I think it's a damn good album. You know, it's it's way different than the stuff with C.C. for sure. But, I mean, it's still... I could see how a Poison fan, a true Blue Poison fan, could have heard that time and been like, ugh, this, that is, was my re- this I, is strange. I, I bought it on release day, and I was... Because I, I knew who Richie was because of all the shrapnel releases, because I was big into shredders and stuff. Right. And, and I was like, this is going to be a can't miss. You were thinking he's going to be uh, on there Yeah, I thought it was going to be a wild, over-the-top shred fest. No. And then it's all this bluesy stuff. I was like, what the fuck happened? And And then also, it's like... It's you know and and yes I'm being a hypocrite. There's other bands like Kiss and other bands where I'm I like it when they experiment with other sounds and try to mix it up. I just don't like it when Poison tries to do it. It just doesn't doesn't come off for me. There's some damn good songs on that album though. No, it's and good, I and it, I think it songs, and I think it is highly overlooked. But it's for sure. it just it never translated for me as a Poison fan. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, I'm like you. The day that it came out, I, I got out of I was in high school. I got out of school. I drove straight to the music store put it in that was back in the days when you had a discman in your car and you have it like mounted on the center console and then you had the tape you know going into the tape deck or whatever and throwing that in and just being like oh my gosh this is amazing and uh of course at that time it was it was starting to be very uncool to say you were a poison fan i I, I remember taking it to a lot of people like look this isn't you know this isn't the poison of two years ago this is uh this is fantastic
Richie Kotzen, uh, man, can he can he play? That's for sure. I know Sonny Pooney's going to love that I picked I this one. Just yeah. going to say that, yeah. Sonny Pooney approves of this episode. I was going to say, I bet you this is Sonny Pooney's favorite Poison album. Also, oh, there's no question. <laughs> man, is there is there a nicer guy in podcasting? No, Sonny Pooney is about as nice as you get. Yeah, he's cool. I love him. Oh man! All right. So, well, you're Hollywood. You're you're six for seven in my book. I think seven for seven in Aaron's. Yeah, I think okay. you're doing a great job. You're <laughs> you're hired. All right. All right. My next song is uh, "Rise" by the Cult. It's off the uh, Beyond Good and Evil album. Shoot, yeah. Good album. Now, this, if I remember correctly, was their comeback album because I think they had called it a day after the self-titled album with like the goat or whatever it was on the front. Yeah. Um, and uh, th- this album has some great songs. It has one to me one of their better ballads. Nico uh, has True Believers on it. Has Rise, Rise, man. If you have that on at the gym, you're on the treadmill. You can kick it up an extra mile or two per hour um, with that on. And I feel like the cult just doesn't get enough recognition, in my opinion, um, because I think m- the music company didn't exactly know what to do with them at times. Because you know, obviously, uh, Love. Uh, was not uh, electric for sure, and then uh, electric was just more of a straight-ahead rock album. Sonic Temple comes along; they try to glam it up a little bit, and then you had Ceremony, and I loved Ceremony. I'm one of the people that liked Ceremony, like and then you know things kind of went off the rails with that self-titled album. But this was a, a return to form, and it's probably my third favorite uh, cult album. To be honest with you.
never going to get giant because, well, they're the cult. <laughs> Bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. So you would say ri- you would, you would say the song "Rise" is a cult favorite, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. Tip your waitress. But no, I I love that album. I think it, yeah, the Beyond too. Good and Evil is a good album, and uh, it came out at a, at a weird time because there was all kinds of ridiculous stuff in the rock world on the chart. So right, it, it yeah. definitely got overshadowed. I think you talked you talked about playing this on the radio. Didn't yeah, you? when it was new. Yeah, yeah, because it was a big deal. Because like you said, the cult was back, you know, and they were they were back strong, and they had some good songs. I love that that tune, True Believers, off there. There's a bunch of good stuff off that album. I, I'm a big cult fan. I always have been. But you know what D Hud's saying is kind of it's I can agree with it totally. Every album by this band, yeah, it's the same band, but Very every different. album is different. Yeah, they kept it's like they really themselves. they really go forward instead of going, Oh hey, that last album did really good. Let's do another one of those. It's like, no, that last album did pretty good. Let's do something completely different. Yeah. You know, it's still gonna sound like the cult because it's still got you know the powerful drums and bass great guitar playing you know ian asbury one of the most unique vocals in all of rock history and so it's always going to be the cult but still musically and even lyrically and sonically every album is different than the one before Mm -hmm. it's like we've done that now let's do something different and you're talking about Ian. billy duffy to me is one of the coolest looking and playing guitar players of all time oh yeah uh, they opened up for Guns N' Roses on that Guns N' Roses show I went to, and um, I don't know if I've ever seen a better opening act. And for a long time, to me, Ian, his he didn't really sing a lot of the melodies. Like on Sweet Soul Sister, he would just go Sweet Soul Sister, and it used to frustrate me because that's one of my favorite cult songs. And when we saw him; he was he was fully singing it, and uh, he sounded great. I, I don't know if. You know, those guys at some point had substance problems or whatever, but they seemed to be very, very healthy and just on top of their game. And the last album they put out wasn't bad. It had some good songs on it. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Here's more cult in the future, I hope. All right. So you got two left. All right. So I'm going to go with uh, a song off my favorite Tesla album, and that's going – the album is Psychotic Supper. The song is Edison's Medicine. This is my favorite of all the Tesla rockers. Uh, we met Troy Laquette at the Expo. He'll be on our podcast soon. Super nice guy. Uh, we asked him. I told him, I said, uh, Psychotic Supper is my favorite album. He, like, threw his hands up there and said, yes. And he said, it's the band's favorite album. Oh, and
Tesla, to me, um, they get completely unfairly characterized as being a hair band. Same thing with Tora Tora, who mm-hmm. we heard at the expo. But uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, these bands are very similar. But, um, uh, you know, Tesla's lyrics had more substance than a lot of the, the bands at the time, especially this when they're talking, you know, about Thomas Edison going around stealing people's inventions and getting the credit for it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Poison's not writing about no. that. That's for sure. <laughs> And if they but, were, uh, the fans yeah, be yeah. like, "What?" Go ahead. But yeah, this this song uh, it, it's it's my favorite of their rockers, and like I said, the album to me is just amazing. And I actually asked him, I said, "Why don't you guys play some of the deeper cuts off of it, more like uh, Stir It Up?" Yeah. And uh, he kind of looked at me and he said, "We've actually been talking about adding that to the set list on this mm. next tour." Nice. So um, yeah, a great album um, that came out really at the wrong time. Uh, for them to capitalize on, uh, to me, in my opinion, on the success of great radio controversy. But I know you guys are huge Tesla fans, aren't you? 
Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. And I think you're right. You know, where Tesla really doesn't fit in with a lot of the other stuff in the genre. To me, Tesla, and like you say, even Tora Tora, is like an evolution of Skinner. Like, like it's it's heavy Southern rock. Mm-hmm. You know, it's definitely got that flavor to it. And you know, they're not Motley Crue, and they're not Poison, and they're not Skid Row, and they're not you know all these other bands. They're so different. Heavy, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, hard rocking, you bet. But, but a again, tinge of blues. Yeah, a tinge of blues and, and a touch of that, that Skinner flavoring, yeah. I think, a little bit. And I always appreciated that about Tesla. The fact that they were different, but man, they could still kick it in the ass mm-hmm. and, and did regularly. Yeah, and if you if you if you're listening to this, you've never seen Tesla live and they're coming to your town, don't miss them. No, they for are sure. An incredible live band. Yeah. We know the new album that's coming out, Phil Collin produced it. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm so and they that. did. You know, they toured with them two summers in a row. Yeah, and uh, they, I think, recorded a lot of it uh, at sound checks and stuff like that. Hmm. So uh, you know, they re- well, they released Mechanical Resonance live, I have and uh, they had a, a bonus song on there that Phil Collin helped write. I think it's like "Say Hello to the Goodness" or something like that. Oh yeah, um, something like "Keep That Goodness" or something. Yeah, yeah. keep that goodness. Yeah, I've, there's a video for it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think he was like Jeff Keith singing in front of a church or yep. something like that. But um, yeah, man, they're just such a good band, and just you know, they're they're a great example of a band that doesn't really change, but that doesn't bother you that they don't change. Right. Yeah. Kind of like ACDC, you know. They, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that, and and hopefully getting to see them do a uh, you know a full set instead of just the only time I've ever seen them was opening for Poison and. Um, Def Leppard last summer, and mm. uh, speaking of that Southern um, influence, have you guys listened to uh, Frank Hannon's covers album? Not yet. No. All right. Are you familiar with the band Blackberry Smoke? Oh, sure. All right. So they cover a song by them called "Sunrise in Texas." Mm-hmm. Oh, he does, and man, it is amazing. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. I love cover albums. I love hearing different slants on different songs. Like you said, like the Enough's Enough tune, you know, a band doing a cover of something that was could have been a good song and rocking it out and making it something awesome. When speaking of uh, covers albums, um, Tesla, those two uh, out reel to reel, I think oh, they were called. Man. Best one of the you got to put that up there with one of the best yeah. cover albums ever, 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 ever. Yeah, I saw them. Uh, they did a full set at the Ryman for that that album, and I got press credentials, got to you know go backstage and everything, and right and that was that was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. And they did do a couple of the songs off of there. I think they did Bell Bottom Blues, yeah, and, um, two or three others. So I think, well, and that's the thing about yeah. that album too. Like you look at Ace Frehley's you know covers album, yeah. it's like yeah, you did the cover of Wild Thing, you know, you did, you did these songs that you know everybody does, you know, but Tesla man, when they when covers. they picked their songs, they picked amazing songs like songs you go oh you know i remember my dad you know when being a kid and hearing that play on the radio and that was always kind of a good song but tesla doing it with electric guitars mm-hmm. this is one of the greatest things i've ever day of the eagle yeah is an awesome cover off that so many good songs on that if you're a tesla fan if you were ever a tesla fan if you're a fan of good music check yeah. out the reel to reel volume one and two they're Great just albums got to be the best covers maybe ever yeah awesome well, before we intro your last song, man, you've—I uh, hope you've gotten your money's worth. We certainly enjoyed uh, all your picks today. Yeah. 
Oh um, man, I've I've enjoyed it uh, it greatly. Like I said, uh, you get uh, Steve Gorman of the Black Crows uh, at the Expo <laughs> next year, and I'll double the uh, double the donation amount. Jeez, <laughs> oh, we'll do a heavier side of the Black Crows. Hey, right, we could do that. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I, I could completely do that. Yeah, Easy. for sure. Yeah, we'll have you come on for that one. That'd be fun. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, we'll plug your podcast real quick. Tell people where they can find it, and you know, some give us some of your highlight interviews that people could check out. Uh, it's Digital Kill the Radio Star. You can follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed on Facebook and Instagram, Digital Kill the Radio Star Podcast. We're on Stitcher, Apple Podcast, uh, SoundCloud, Podchaser, Earpeeler, um, and um, there's another one called Laughable that I found out that uh, that we're on. But uh, yeah, we uh, we've got some cool interviews coming up. Uh, in the past year, uh, we interviewed Michael Graves, that was the lead singer of the Misfits for a while. Yeah. Uh, we had him on uh, this uh, really heavy band out of Massachusetts called Astronoid. They uh, are kind of like a combination of heavy metal and shoegaze. Uh, we had Casey Elward, their guitar player, on. Um, um, fingers crossed, uh, there's a ch- good chance I'm going to have Pat Sansone of Wilco on in the f- in a couple of weeks. He's kind of a that's a big band. Um, that we've had uh, some great guests talking about uh, stuff like Pink Floyd's uh, Dark Side of the Moon, and uh, got one coming up where we're going to spend the whole time talking about Appetite of Destruction. And uh, I'm doing a, a Black Crow series where I'm going black, the for those out there, the Black Crows are kind of like kisses for you guys. So <laughs> I'm going through their entire discography with uh, super fans, cool. and um, we're just hoping to. Uh, we're just hoping to land some bigger interviews and things like that. Uh, I know uh, Todd Poole has texted me we're, when the, the new Roxy album comes out, and we're going to interview the yeah. whole band. Let me, Sweet. yeah, uh, let me give that a plug because these guys, like, we wanted to get Todd Poole on from Roxy Blue after he showed up at the expo last year because right. Roxy Blue, we both love that album from yeah. back in the day. And then D Hud and Chris had him on for like it was like a three hour interview. Yeah. And, after I listened, I was like, we don't need to have him on. And I've, I have directed so many people to listen to that interview because I was completely blown away by it. I mean, he, he had such great stories. And you guys pulled so many damn good stories out of him. And you guys were relatively young in the podcast game when you did that. It's the first interview we ever did. Yeah. And nice. you totally killed it. So like my, I, and I recommend those of you listening, listen to the Todd Poole interview. You guys will really enjoy that. Right, and that well, just he's, goes to show. He's not hard to interview. <laughs> and that goes to show you. I mean, you guys love us here at Decibel Geek because we're passionate and we're real about the music. That goes for Digital Killed the Radio Star, yeah. too. You know, the same attitude, same love, same respect. If you like what we're doing here, you're definitely going to love what these guys are doing over there. All right, so my last song, I, I kind of got a little story behind it. So at the podcast expo last year, uh, Steve Wright and BC from Potter Than Hell, they were newbies like us, didn't have a table or anything, and we met them. And uh, Steve and I have become I, – I, I consider Steve a really, really good close friend now. So we hung out the entire time at the uh, at the expo with those guys, and all, all four of them, Dylan, BB, BC, and, and Steve are just great guys. And so uh, I wanted to mention their podcast, Potter Than Hell, and, and if you like Kiss or just like hard rock and metal, those guys are so much fun to listen to. So I sent Steve a text, and I said, hey, I'm going to be host, guest hosting an episode of uh, Decibel Geek, and I'm doing uh, Radio Sucks. Give me a song. And he gave me three to choose from, and one of them is Gift of Flesh by Def Leppard, and it's off the uh, Slang album that came out in, I think, 94, 95. 
and it's a great straight ahead rocker just like she's too tough and i think it would have sounded great on high and dry but uh, it was a, a a song that i had honestly forgotten about so uh steve wright and potter than hell go listen to those guys you will you will not regret it okay now steve owes us a hundred dollars for that i'm just <laughs> <laughs> double shot of leopard all right so well d-hud thanks for coming on today i'm looking forward to seeing you again come back in the future yeah and uh Here's Def Leppard from Slang, and we'll see you next week.